Hey, welcome to the Africa Podcast. My name is Mikey Mhenna. On today's episode, we have a conversation with the members of the citizen researcher team at NYU Abu Dhabi. They are Nouf Al-Hamli and Rauda Al-Mansouri. The idea of this conversation is to create an outline of the project. Take it from the idea, the inception, all the way to the outcome. This should be a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy it. If you ever feel like attending these talks, go to afikra.com slash RSVP. Thanks. Welcome, everybody. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Our special guests are Nouf Al-Hamdi and Rauda Al-Mansouri, both uh, who are part of the NYU Abu Dhabi Citizen Researcher Project um, based in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Rauda, Nouf, thank you so much for joining Africa's Outline Conversation. Thank you for having us, Mikey. We're excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I'm going to read a little bit about what this project is and why we were so excited to feature it on the series. It says, Citizen Researcher, for those of you who can't see the screen, Citizen Researcher invites members of the public to participate in and contribute to ongoing research. Within Citizen Researcher, members of the public can gain new research skills from their participation and research studies reach their goals at a much faster rate thanks to participant contribution. Most importantly, citizen researcher removes a barrier that research can only be done by professionals. It proves that anyone with the passion and curiosity to learn and discover can take part in this research. So Nuf, let's start with you. Just um, what do you think is not included in that paragraph? And what do you think people misunderstand about a citizen researcher off the jump? Okay, so I think I think part of the um, not the problem, but maybe potentially the misunderstanding a citizen researcher is it, there aren't many programs like them in the country there it's a it's a program that's um, inspired by citizen science projects Citizen science projects people are a lot more familiar with so um, those who have pr- probably participated in citizen science projects or are familiar with it then there wouldn't be that much confusion. The only difference between citizen researcher and citizen science is that we're trying to be a, l- a lot more inclusive with citizen researcher and include other disciplines. I think what we anticipate in terms of uh, the kind of misunderstandings is that some people who participate in citizen researchers might think that they have to be human subjects in the research itself, and that's not the case with this. What we're trying to accomplish here um, is basically giving them the opportunity to to uh, to become uh, amateur researchers, to actually work with the researchers in the you know and 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 feed feed their curiosity and kind of contribute to discovery and breakthroughs. So I think that's probably the main misunderstanding that cool. might or might not happen. Yeah. Let's start with um, Rado. How about you? Let's start with you on this question. What were you doing before you and Nuf started working on this project? Um, so with Citizen Researcher, it's been a several years that we've been working on this project. So I think we really started seriously working on Citizen Researcher around 2018. And the, the way we do things in our department is that we shift our focus from one project to the next. So whenever we're not focused on citizen researcher, there are other things that we're working on, other initiatives and programs. So some of the things that we're working on as well is um, we would collaborate. So a lot of our work is collaborating with NYU AD faculty and researchers. And some of the ways that we collaborate with them is that we develop educational workshops for school students. So sometimes faculty and researchers would come to us with uh, this idea to develop an educational workshop. And what we would do is that we'd facilitate contacts with them for high schools or or other schools. And we'd basically be the intermediary 
where we'd connect them with, uh, with each other. So with the faculty or the researcher who's interested in developing or delivering the educational content, we'd connect them with the schools. Um, we used to do this ad hoc, which, which means that basically whenever a researcher or a faculty member would be interested in delivering uh, educational content, uh, they'd come up to us. But eventually we wanted to kind of make something that's more fits or more of a program. So we've developed a workshop called STEAM Investigators, where we actually have, um, and I should probably have mentioned this, but most of our work is related to STEAM disciplines. So sciences, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. And so with STEAM Investigators, we are actually creating a narrative and a storyline where a mysterious occurrence has occurred and we'd ask students to kind of go through a STEAM related process where they solve uh, the narrative or the storyline story and uh, they'd, they'd solve it using STEAM related techniques, STEAM related uh, principles to kind of solve the storyline. So that's one thing we're working on and uh, uh, interchangeably with citizen researcher. What was the first version of the name of this project, I mean, the word citizen is a very specific word. Um, uh, is it? Is it? Is there something about like civic action that you're interested in, sort of concerned with? I mean, I'm a scientist by trade. Um, my background is in genetics and biology, um, and I've I've kind of well got to know the world of science communication and citizen science pretty late. Um, in my career. When I was, and it was through meeting people in different countries in the US and the UK, I used to go to a lot of workshops and I found that um, it was the one common language that everyone understood. Um, and it was, and I really do believe that science can can create equality and can create, uh, can bring people together in a, and, and, and um, promote social justice in many areas. So yeah, this question is, uh, when did this project actually start? Not when did you make the logo? When did you put up the website? Um, what actually spurred this starting? When did you first start realizing that there was a problem that needed fixing? Around 2017, 2018, um, I was put in contact with a group in London who basically used to be their group of professionals who used to work in the science museums and they, they started their own startup. And what they do is they help develop um, exhibitions for museums, for example. So they did a lot of, they, they used to interpret really hard esoteric science and, and create um, uh, exhibitions and workshops um, for you know, their, their uh, clients. I had a conversation with them um, and we started bouncing a couple of ide uh, ideas around and they found this as a challenge because they didn't have, they never had to do this for, at a university level. Um, they were involved in other citizen science projects, but they never had to do it at a, at a university level and they didn't have to think about designing programs across all disciplines because it's very easy for us to be able to think it's been done before. So they've been they know how to think about um, interpreting science uh, programs into citizen science projects. But the challenge came with the humanities and social sciences. And then how do you make it inclusive? How do you make it interdisciplinary? Um, and that's I think that's when it started around around 2018. And then we kind of rolled out our first testbed program uh, project in 2019. Um, we did it with a school um, and it was a, a really nice project where we were looking, we worked with the, we had, a, we have a center of genomics and system biology in, in the university and they were looking into um, uh, types of, there were certain types of parasites that were affecting the crop here in the UAE. So they found a, t a type of bacteria that's non-pathogenic and we were basically collecting soil. We're getting students to collect soil and find and study the soil so we can develop biopesticides for it. 
And the idea was to scope it out the next year and then the rest is history because so, COVID happened. Yeah, yeah. so let's yeah. actually, I, I kind of want to go through the nuts and bolts of this. So sure. they, um, they're doing capital S science, right? These are real mm -hmm. researchers who are <laughs> doing genetics and are studying soil and you are enrolling a whole host of high school students in the Emirates to go collect soil for these scientists. Mm -hmm. And how does it get back to the scientists? Is it actually used or is it just like? No, it's actually used. Yeah, so, so what we did, yeah, so that's, this is what was interesting. And that's the thing. So with the, with the high school students, it was the same thing. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about us trying to explain a complicated theory or a complicated concept to them. It's about what part, no matter how small it is, can you play in contributing to the advancement of research? And the simplest thing, from a researcher's perspective, the simplest thing you as a citizen can do is help them collect data. Arada, did you believe in this idea from the jump? So I came around 2018 when yeah. it moved from it being a conceptual to something that's, that we started implementing. Yeah. And from the very beginning, I liked the idea of public participation in research. And uh, uh, again, like as we got into this whole program, uh, we, uh, of course, learned about citizen science as well, which is one of the things that inspired our initiative is this global movement called citizen science. So we immediately uh, got exposed to the literature, to the studies and to the projects that were already available in citizen science. And so one of the first, first things we did with citizen researchers is that we teamed up with a content development team called Talents KCA, uh, where they had us develop uh, our content for citizen researcher. And one of the things that they did is that they, they, uh, they had this engagement week at, at the NYUAD campus, where one of the first things that we did is that we reached out to faculty and researchers to tell them about citizen science. And it was in the form of presentations, in the form of talks. And so... In terms of believing in it, I think it was very easy to kind of become very interested in it because of this concept of involving people in the research process and removing this barrier that only research can be conducted in professional settings and by professional researchers. When that is not really the case, you would see in, uh, in the typical research team that they're actually limited in terms of staff and resources and that they would actually benefit from a large group of people participating in the research process that would help them accelerate their research or help them reach um, solutions to their problems at a much quicker rate. I have to add though, Mikey, I have to add one thing. Um, Roda doesn't have a science background and this is what's amazing about this whole thing. Like she's leading a project uh, that's supposed to be trying to increase. I, I hear her talk about this right now and we were looking like, I'm looking at the question, it, it says like, what's your, when did you have that light, light bulb moment? And Rob and I were talking about this, like trying to figure out when did that happen? Like, when did we get that epiphany? And to me, I can't think of this as a light bulb. This is more like a dimmer switch because it just kept getting, it's like a never ending dimmer switch, just got brighter and brighter. Um, so it's just, I wanted to point that out that, you know, you don't have to have the background. Okay, so this question is, this is probably one of my favorite questions in the, in the questionnaire, which is who are some of the unlisted co-founders um that are informing your work whether you've met them or not but who do you think if you actually like think about the folks that are influencing the structure of this the design of this is in researcher the um the purpose the mission um who are some of the sort of people whose dna is all over this program whether they know it or not 
but like I grew up listening or watching or listening to podcasts and watching um, Neil deGrasse Tyson talk the way that he does. So I think it, I would, you know, I would credit him to be one of the co-founders of an initiative like that. Uh, we have, there are people like um, uh, Karen Cooper, Dr. Karen Cooper, who is a huge uh, proponent for citizen science and her passion, like the way that the metaphors and the, analysis, the analogies that she uses to try and promote. So those are people that aren't people that we've met, but they're around, but I feel like they influence a lot of the work that they're doing. Um, I don't know Nola, if you had any, anyone in mind as well. Um, I had uh, one one uh, person as well. I would mention uh, a, a professor called, I believe if I'm saying his name correctly, is Muki Haklai. Um, he really helped inform the way we approach citizen researcher projects. So after we trialed one of the projects for uh, the one Nof mentioned, Bugfighter, where we had to collect soil samples, we noticed um, that uh, some of the data that the student collected were, unfortunately, we weren't able to use it towards the research study. Like some of their, their data that they collected and the data they analyzed, we weren't able to use it towards the research study. And so we realized that one of the things that we needed to do next time is to make sure the process itself is um, uh, studied and developed in a way where people who contribute their data, data analysis, their data collection uh, would be, that we would be able to use it towards the research study. Okay, so just for the people listening, um, what are some of these projects? Like you mentioned, the the soil, uh, the soil, like bug bug searchers. Um, yeah. What are some of the other ones? Just um, because I think people listening have no idea what your what the projects may may be. Right. So we're actually working uh, with the centers directly and they're uh, taking the lead and developing their research studies and turning them into research projects. So that's how we approach it. We yeah. take existing research studies and um, see if they're suitable to be turned into citizen researcher projects. And so some of the people we are working with, we're working directly with the Center of Sea Level Changes, and they have their project called Future Coastal Changes. And the way they're approaching their project is that they would like to develop an application that they would like to launch for people to uh, download. And so the, the process is the following. We'd ask people to go to certain places in the UAE and uh, include their geographical location, which would help uh, the research team gain a better understanding of projections, of future projections of coastal rising. So the main purpose of the center is to understand sea level risings, uh, and they're also focusing in the UAE. So this app will help them gain a better understanding, uh, a better visualization of the sea level risings in the UAE. Mm -hmm. So participants would contribute to the, that data and help the research team gain a better understanding of where the UAE is currently is and where the UAE is, is heading in terms of sea level rising. There's well, there's one I really like, um, but I also don't understand very well. So I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm probably going to butcher this. And if the researchers watch this, I, they're probably like face palming right now. Um, there's a group of astrophysicists that are working on um, it's I don't know. Some people call it blazars, other people pronounce it blazars, but they're essentially those. They're like um, those ginormous, like enormous energetic objects. So they're galaxies, active galaxies um, uh, that are um, activated or powered by the black by black hole. Now, what's interesting about this product, what I like about it, so so far there are around six thousand blazars that have been discovered. Um, 
And this, the, what we want to do with the Citizen Researcher Project is using, uh, using machine learning. And it's really complicated. The tech behind it is complicated. And we're still, it's a work in progress. So they're working on it. It's to help citizen researchers or to, to kind of ask citizen researchers to help us identify more. Now, why this is important, why those bazaars have some kind of impact is because the, if you look at a picture, there's a really cool picture. If you look, if you Google it, it's this really cool picture of this active galaxy. And there's a beam of light that shoots right through Earth. And basically, this beam of light, this, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, there's definitely a scientific name for this. I am so sorry, you guys. But anyways, this beam of light basically has all those different cosmic rays in it, like gamma rays um, and other cosmic rays. Why this is also important, and this is, pay attention, because this is where the interdisciplinary part comes in, right? When we were trying, when I was trying to get them to kind of unpack this even more, I'm like, yeah, but why do I care? Why do I care about gamma rays hitting the earth? Like, what, what does that even mean? Outside some Marvel movie or science fiction movie, what does it mean? Is it going to give me superpowers? Like, what is going on? Um, and they were telling me that some of the technologies right now, because gamma rays are so, and other cosmic rays are one of the oldest particles, they hit, they, they're right now as you're sitting, it's actually hitting you. You've got gamma rays hitting you or going through you. They are being used, and like archaeologists are using it, for example, to look to uh, peek into hidden chambers in the pyramids and study history. So, places, so through history and archaeology, like you we're able to access. Um, parts of history that we weren't without having to take apart the you know the pyramids for example and study basically how the chambers look like and 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 uh, render them in models outside using technology using ai okay awesome if you were to explain your project in phases what are the sort of uh, phases that you've gone through from conception to actual implementation and where are you right now um, so currently we're developing these projects in collaboration with the research centers. And so they're doing uh, the brunt of the work where they're actually designing their projects for public participation. So mm -hmm. initially we reach out to these faculty members and they only have their research studies. And they're interested in uh, uh, opening up their research to members of the public. But the question here is how do we do that? What's the process? What's the process going to look like? And so it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort to develop and design their research studies and to, to actually turn them into public participation projects. Because the key here, like I mentioned, is that we take really technical information, really complex information, and we're trying to make it uh, uh, seem as, as straightforward and as simple as possible because we are reaching out to a large group of people. And ideally for these projects, we want to reach to uh, as many people as possible if we're gonna reach that goal of uh, accelerating research. And so it's a challenge as well to make, to turn something so complex and make it simple. So one of the tests that we do is, can you, can you tell me uh, what your project is about? And if I'm able to understand it, that's, that's you're in the right direction because uh, it means that you were able to kind of communicate it in a way that's simple and straightforward. And that's always key with, with uh, projects that we're opening up for public participation. And, um, and in terms of, of phases, one of the things that we focus on is the step-by-step -step process. So what we call a protocol, which we ask participants to follow. And we want to ensure that that process is as simple and as straightforward as possible. Perfect. How do you avoid scope drift for this type of project? How do you avoid this turning into an app development process, a project? Or how do you turn this into like, oh, we're helping all these different centers and institutes um, think about commu communication. 
That's a good question. And that's what we're trying to figure out. So that's this is going to be interesting for us once we actually launch the project. So one thing that we've talked about is we need to keep checking in. We need to. Um, so in the first phase, obviously, like Rosa said, after the prototyping, um, and then having the you know the the projects on the website and available for people to participate in. What we're hoping to do is we're going to give it like a month or two months and evaluate, trying to uh, collect the data, see if our data management um, uh, 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 processes are are you know uh, they're uh, robust. Are, are we able to? Are we sending out the right message? Are we articulating what we're trying to do um, uh, in an effective way? Uh, but I think we're going to figure that out. I think in the first two or three months. Um, one thing we, we, we've been thinking about doing is we want to continue putting educational material on as well and kind of um, getting feedback from the citizen researchers so they're involved the whole time and not just we're using you to come to help us do our research. So yeah. it could be something like, you know, I might reach out to Mikey and go like, can we have another Akatra? sessions so we'll talk about a certain project for example sure. um but we're, there are certain ways there's other ways that we're doing this um the other thing is we're developing libraries on the side so it's not just about launching the projects on the website but we're we're continuing to talk to researchers for potential projects on the side so um and again we want to make sure that it's not just science so for example we've got david risley on the call so he's he's someone that we want to talk to about and i know that you've had him in an interview before and you know his his through digital humanities that's a, a wonderful platform to try and, and create a citizen researcher project with um and you know it's through just by diversifying the disciplines that we're uh, putting out there we'll learn a lot more about what to do and what not to do and make sure that our vision for it and our purpose and our intention for it remain the same. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit. There is really no after with this project yet, um, but some of the questions um, we can preempt uh, a little bit. So knowing what you know now, if you could have kicked this project off um, over again, what do you think you would have uh, planned for to be able to be a little more successful in the kickoff? Well, we would have really planned for a pandemic if we knew that this was going to happen. <laughs> so maybe toilet, get our toilet paper, toilet paper and masks. <laughs> That's probably the first thing we do. <laughs> Stock up on toilet paper. Yeah. Um, have our first citizen researcher project on how to create the vaccine for COVID. Uh, no, I think I think one of the things that um, we would have packed better for, um, you know, there was an ever-changing time, the ever-changing time timelines that we're having. I think we would have been a little bit more vigilant with our timelines. Mm -hmm. I mean, some things were, you know, inevitable. I mean, COVID is COVID. There are certain things like scoping out, for example, our uh, our test bed project with the bug fighter. It was unfortunate that we weren't able to do it, but we're, you know, we still got hope that we could do that. Uh, we would have talked to a lot more people. I think we were very protective of the project to start with. I don't think we talked with enough people outside the disciplines mm. to try and get some feedback. So I, I think about this, you know, I think about if we met you, for example, before and, yeah. you know, it had this conversation, it might have informed the way that we um, designed citizen researcher project. If we met, if we talked to people outside different disciplines, it might have been different. So this is for both of you. Um, how do you quantify achievement? Um, I think I, I would quantify achievement um, as soon as we have projects up and running on our website. I think that would be one goal. And like if we have that completed, that would be one way of looking at it from an achievement perspective. And, and then almost immediately, we would love to have participants take part. 
and contribute and make sure that the process is viable throughout and that at the end that uh, whatever participants contributed would actually be used towards um, the research and creating the cycle where, uh, where we create this mutual benefit, where both participants enjoy their citizen researcher experience and learn from it, and uh, the research team uh, see an acceleration in their research. And finally, uh, we, we tie that back to the participants where they get updates on, 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 their, on the project's progress, whereby we let them know that, hey, your participation made that impact to the research research projects and we keep them updated. So I think those three things would, um, would I think uh, for me would be what success would look like. Okay, so uh, last question is just what's next? In terms of what's next, um, definitely launching those projects and having people participate in them. Yeah. And Nof mentioned that educational tab as well. So putting some videos and blog posts on research. So not only having people participate in research, but uh, letting people know about the existing research that's happening in NYUAD and definitely having people participate in the research. I think that's, that's a big one in terms of next steps. Okay, awesome. Well, let's start with our first question comes from David, who I'm going to unmute in one second. Perfect. Great. So thank you so much. It was such an interesting conversation. I, you talk about high school students and I was thinking, you know, do you have any other ideas for other demographics in, in particular, you know, for citizen research? Thanks. No, that's a good question. I think when we mention high school students, it's because we, we work with them quite a bit. And, and high school students are actually a really nice controlled environment for us to test projects with. So it's always good to kind of test it with high school. But yes, we do. We, we want to target other demographics. It really depends on the project. Um, and it really depends on um, the the how complex the project is. So there are some projects that um, there are some entities, for example. So I mentioned Dubai Future Foundation. Um, the demographic will really depend on the project. I mean, on the website, we usually, um, once we develop this website and we start putting the, the, the um, projects on, we're gonna put there that, you know, the not preferred, but the target audience, if it was specific, would be ages this for that. But we want to avoid doing that just because we know that there might be people of different, there might be even younger people that are, that are quite skilled in, let's say, software design or computer science or AI or something like that, that might be interested in a much more complicated um, uh, project. So it's really going to depend on the discipline. Uh, thanks, David. Oh, we have one more question. Um, I can okay. go for it. Okay. So in the US, uh, oftentimes we have programs in the research world that are developed specifically to target middle school students. Is there any plan to try and include a slightly younger demographic? And that's a really good question. Thank you so much. In terms of uh, the demographic as well, like, uh, and that's something North also talks about as well, like that particular age group middle school students is when we want to kind of reach out to them because that's when they become really interested. That's the age where you can get them to become interested in something and they follow up with it uh, in middle school or like high school and so on. Um, but with citizen researcher, we open it up to a lot of demographics. So it's it, we open it up to parents, we open it up to um, high school students, college students, adults. So in terms of uh, middle, middle school students and even younger, they would have the help of their parents as well. So it would be like a family kind of project uh, uh, with the younger students, especially with websites and everything, because there is that law that if you're under the age of 13, you need to have parents as well to uh, view and mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, mentor the process. So 
that's a demographic there as well. And uh, hopefully we'd be reaching that uh, by including parents there as well. Thanks, Holly. Um, okay, with that said, we're gonna wrap up. Um, Rhoda and Nuf, thanks so much for joining us. If anyone's interested in reaching out, take a look online and you'll be able to find them. Um, a lot of really cool, exciting stuff. So I'm glad that we got to explore it together. Okay, everybody, um, we'll be back next week with a bunch more events. Go to africa.com for all that information. And this will be on the podcast and YouTube page in a few days. So you can forward it to all those folks who missed this. Rhoda, Thank Nuf, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Mike. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks. Thanks.